Hello, Winterwebs, and welcome to Close Up. I'm your co-host, Joe. And I'm Ryan. Today, Ryan and I reminisce on one of the best games ever made and its other installment. Of course, we mean The Last of Us Parts 1 and 2. Full spoilers ahead for both games, you've been warned. You picked up the wrong disc. <laughs> what, what, did I, what did I do wrong? <laughs> oh, I'm trying our, my best not to make this the House of the Dragon episode, right? I'm trying make my it, best and you're not helping. <laughs> make it better. Let's fight the whole time. From this, <laughs> from this extreme long shot, we zoom into our medium shot. So tell me, Ryan, what's your history with the Last of Us franchise? Uh, I remember when it came out, I was, again, Xbox kid that didn't play it till last year, but I remember when it came out, always watched playthroughs of Last of Us, the part one and then part two. So I like the story. I love Troy Baker. I love uh, Ashley um, Johnston, I believe is her last name. Uh, actually had the pleasure of meeting Troy Baker at uh, Fan Expo, which was really awesome. And uh, I'm excited. The reason we're doing this is because the show is about to come out, and not this weekend, uh, but next weekend uh, as time recording. And I'm pretty excited for it. You know, there's been a few criticisms, but I don't think you can really compare. You know, what do you? It's it's a trailer, and also I feel like it's gonna be a little not subtle, but I feel like if people keep comparing the acting talents of. Uh, the live action actors and Troy Baker and Ashley is just they're not gonna like it but I feel like they have their own take on it so it's gonna be an adaptation and you're literally talking about probably two of the best acting voice acting performances of all time so I there's going to be criticisms of it but I feel like they need to take it with a grain of salt that it's going to be different and also Pedro Pascal and the uh, child actress I don't know her name but she was in Game of Thrones they're both excellent actors yeah so they're good choices. Last of Us is a franchise I've heard about a lot over the last 10 years. It's one of those ones where anytime it comes up, you just get, oh, it's just so good. I never heard anyone say anything bad about the original. Nope, no, I never really have any. No, nobody's ever said anything bad about the original nope. that I've heard. It's pretty much generally considered a masterpiece, which is why we probably won't spend that long talking mm -hmm. about it. Because we want to argue more. It's, we have a lot to say on part two, such, trust me. That's, uh, that's such uh, a masterpiece. It's been remastered twice. I was joking with Ryan the other night that it's basically Naughty Dog Skyrim. It's just going to get ported till the end of time. It's true. But yeah, it I should. never... <laughs> I didn't play it when it first came out because I'm perpetually behind on video games. But I remember my PlayStation 4 came with Last of Us Remastered pre-installed on it. Ooh. So... What a steal. Yeah. So I played that eventually. I don't remember when. I want to say 2015, 2016, somewhere in there. So it's been a long time bad. since I played it. It's a little bit rusty in my mind, but I remember enough of it to talk about it. And I just played part two within the last year. I'm actually doing a new game plus playthrough of part two right now because I want that platinum. I got far enough in it that I'm going to get that platinum. <laughs> um, I put it on very yeah. easy mode this time. Very easy plus with the cheat codes on, just breezing through it. It's nearly cheat more fun codes. that way. Oh, yeah. yeah. It comes in, after you beat the game and go into New Game Plus, 
It gives you these different uh, options. One hit kills, infinite crafting, your melee stuff doesn't break, unlimited ammo, one shot kills. It's that's fantastic. Awesome. Yeah, it just makes the game way more fun. And you can do all these other weird things with it too, which we can get more into when we talk about technical stuff about, about the game. We'll talk about technical stuff too. We got to talk about tech stuff. No, I say I didn't. No, I'm saying I didn't oh. know about that. I, I <laughs> okay. didn't know about the, the cheat code stuff. I see. I see. So like Ryan said, we're doing this in anticipation for the new uh, Last of Us TV show that's coming out, which I got high hopes for because I really think video game movies, I don't know if they really work because you're nope. taking even a short video game is like 10 hours long. And that's really tough to condense into a two-hour movie. I think a miniseries or even a full-fledged TV show is the way to do video game adaptations to really immerse you in the world, especially for a story like The Last of Us, which is so beloved. If you have to condense that entire game into a movie, there'll be riots. There's no way to do it justice. So this is going to age perfectly well, but I have high hopes for this show. And I hope it'll do okay. Just looking at the trailers, the design for the clickers in particular was super... Like, they wow. look so good. You know? They look spot on. Both Ashley and Troy are actually going to be in the show as like different characters. Looking forward to seeing what they do. You yeah. said they're... You told me they before, don't, they're going to be really characters, f- not cameos, right? Yeah, they're not like actual cameos. They're going to be actual characters. Awesome. Or at least I, what, from what I could gather from clips, I don't want to spoil it for you, but it looks like Troy might be more of a character, and Ashley may... I, I, well, that's just speculation, but I, yeah. they're going to be actual characters, which is fun because you don't really see... I think Ashley does more live-action than Troy, but you don't really see Troy do a lot of live-action stuff, which is, uh, which is going to be awesome to see. Yeah, I'm sure it'll transfer just fine. He does the mocap work after all, so... Mm-hmm. They'll just be like, what do you mean I get to act without crap on my face? Without the spots, yeah. <laughs> without the spots. <laughs> How do I do this? Just like Andy Serkis probably feels literally any time he has to show his actual face. He's like, mm-hmm. You mean I what? don't have to go to the jungle for three months and study gorillas? Yes. <laughs> wow. All right, so this that brings so us to new. our... Everyone gets to do this? <laughs> You've been doing this? How, how you been doing this for how long? I didn't know there was any other I way to go. Yeah. <laughs> you don't okay, have dual I'll... personality. <laughs> All right, that brings us to our close up. So let's talk about Last of Us. Probably the first one. The first one is a good place great. to start. <laughs> we just say it's great and move on. It's great. <laughs> it's it's crazy. It's crazy because. What do you have to uh, say I've about it that hasn't th- been said a million times, right? Yeah, like, I watched her playthrough years ago, and when I finally did my own playthrough, I was like, really, I thought, hmm, I was expecting a bit more. But then I came to realization, no, this game was made in 2013, and I'm playing it in 2022, where it feels, it doesn't, like, and to say basic is not the right word, but this is kind of the first time a medium uh, like a story medium happened like this where and there's been tons of like the father figure and the child are go off in this adventure and they don't really like each other at first but this is the first one to do it so well 
And there's so many other projects that build off of The Last of Us and take from The Last of Us that you kind of know each story part, uh, point that other mediums have done it, so you're just used to it. But this was the first one to really do it well, in my opinion, that I can remember in recent history. It's such a simple, beautifully simple story. It's about mm -hmm. a grieving father who lost his daughter, who ends up saddled with this kid, and they have to navigate tragic the ruins. opening scene. They got to navigate the ruins of the apocalypse together and have this kind of surrogate father-daughter relationship together. And that's basically the whole game. It's just this father-daughter relationship bonding in the ruins of America and facing trials along the way that you play through. But really at its core, it's this emotional story about found family and, you know, learning to open up again after traumas and. There's a lot of deep subject matter in this game, and yeah. it's it's more about how it makes you feel than the actual gameplay, which is why I think this show than is Than the right actual for, events, yeah. Yeah, this show is ripe for an adaptation because a lot of video games is more about the feeling of playing it. It's more, mm -hmm. oh, you know, my skills, I'll decimate all these guys, I'll be able to headshot everybody, I'll, like, it's about playing it or going on side quests or whatever. But Last of Us is a very linear, story-driven adventure, which did, you told me before you watched this as a, as a playthrough, right? Yeah. On, on the internet. I don't yeah. know how many games you could do that for. This game, you could just watch somebody play it through, and it's still just as good an experience. So it's a great backseat gaming experience, mm -hmm. which isn't easy to come by, because I think a lot of games get boring for people to just watch. Especially can you if you're just screwing around. But somebody playing The Last yeah. of Us and doing well at it is just... Well, it's a very high-quality story experience in terms of writing, character development, acting. The mocap work by Ashley Johnson and Troy mm -hmm. Baker is phenomenal. They created iconic characters, iconic moments. It's just a all-around great story. Really, people see video games as kind of a lowbrow medium. But stories like The Last of Us elevate it to prove video games can tell stories worthy of any medium. It's, it's an all-time great story, regardless of where it originated. Yeah, I think it, it's just, it's so well done where... It's like, again, like what hasn't been said about it, where it's just a masterpiece in terms of acting, the gameplay, the production design, even uh, when you can explore the different areas, there's little dialogue moments between Joel and Ellie and, and Tris that keep you invested in the story. And the clickers, not even like not the zombies themselves, because I think the zombies are just zombies, but the clickers themselves are just actually scary. Like they're Terrifying. scary to navigate. They're very difficult to difficult to fight you know even when you think you're sneaking past them quietly they'll jump at you and it's it's insane man it's just a, like what else can you say about it it's just a great game my favorite it's, mechanic it's a in reason the game, why one game of the year my favorite mechanic in the game is the listening mechanic where the, the mm -hmm. stealth stuff where you hear through the walls and you're trying to navigate because the clickers can't see which is really interesting 
I like that bit of lore in the game that the runners yeah. can see you, but the clickers, if you're just quiet enough, you can sneak even right up in front of them before you stab them. But it's not easy. It sounds easy, but you have to have some skill to do that, which is pretty cool. So I, I just love this, the stealth. It's not just... Because um, it feels more realistic when you have all these creatures that are stronger than you, that are faster, more deadly. Most of the time, you're not just going to run in guns blazing. It nearly plays like an mm-hmm. RPG that way, where the way you're supposed to play it is more stealthy. Because it's also about ammo conservation, too. That's a large part of the game, is conserving your supplies, which adds to the feeling of this post-apocalyptic, desolate world. So, every time you use a shiv on a clicker, something like that, you are like, do I want to go in this fight, waste all my ammo, my shivs? But if I get caught out and I need them for later... That could be important. So, yeah, if I can avoid this fight, maybe let's mm-hmm. just do that. And only fight when I got to. Yeah, it's really funny with the conserving of the ammo because it's not like other games where you just have an endless supply or like 30 mags. It's like sometimes you'll have six... The most you'll ever get is like 13 bullets in the gun. So you have to really aim your shots well. And there's been some fights where I've done great and some fights where I've just depleted my ammo because I'm trying to do it stealthily and I think I hit him in the head, but it ends up I hit him in the shoulder and it's like, fuck. So yeah. it's, a, it's a great game for trying to like navigate through stealth and then when everything goes to shit, it goes to shit. That's one of my favorite things about... Well, I'm, it's more in my mind for part two right now and I'm sure part one had this as well. That's one of the best parts mm-hmm. of Last of Us is trying to be stealthy, then everything goes to crap and you go guns blazing until you can hide again. Yeah. That's so fun. That, those are some of my favorite gameplay moments is when that happens. And you actually successfully hide again, get around everybody, or try to take them out one by one again. Because I feel like in a lot of stealth games, once stealth is broken, it's broken. But The Last of Us lets you get back into stealth if you're hiding and quiet enough and you can listen. You can use the mechanics to your advantage that way. Avoid the searches, Mm -hmm. which just adds a whole other layer to it. Yeah, it's very good. And even uh, a lot of, like, the side characters are really well done. Like, Bill, when in that fortified town, he has his own story where you're trying to navigate through the town and you end up coming across his old partner, which, and there's this great moment where he's just silent and you think you know was there possibility i i heard in their commentary track for it where the actor uh who played bill played it as um the his partner in the town was also his lover at the same Mm -hmm. time that's how he played it off as i don't know if that's canon or not but i just think it adds to the scene more and it's great because in that scene joel doesn't really know how to calm him down or talk like he doesn't know how to go through grief yet uh, yeah. Still, after being in the apocalypse for twenty years, he there's um, he still he just buries there. It. Tommy, his brother, yeah, Tommy, his brother's great in it. Uh, the Henry and Sam arc is tragic. Yeah, it's just I don't have criticisms. <laughs> like it's <laughs> it really is like it's one of the greatest games of all time. It's insane. Yeah, there's really so not great a lot that to... they remat so great that they remastered it six years later for full price and people bought it. 
Like ridiculous. I anytime well, I see it on sale, it's always like it's on sale for like sixty dollars. I'm still like not yet. No, what <laughs> not I like about town to like. What I like about games like that that are so infinitely replayable is that when you remaster them for modern times, I don't know. Do they fix the controls? Do they make the controls more modern? In I think remasters? they said something like, I think they might have. They've done. Uh, they did the gameplay like it is in Last of Us Part Two, and the AI is smarter as well. So I think they fixed some things. Yeah. Okay, so I know there's a lot of people who might feel like, oh, you're George Lucasing it. You're re, <laughs> you're redoing old things. Just give us a port of the original. I'm like, you know what? If you want these things to survive, maybe tweak it a little bit. Make it so somebody who just hopped on with The Last of Us Part 2, if you would ever do such a thing, could go back and enjoy The Last of Us Part 1 again with more modern mm-hmm. control schemes. So it keeps it even more relevant. You don't want to go back to play a game that feels like a game from 10 years ago, even when the story holds up just fine. Sometimes that's yeah. a big problem with rediscovering old games is that they feel like old games. You've had that too. You told me, what was it? Dishonored, was it? It was Infamous. Or infamous. Yeah, I was really disappointed. The controls felt very wonky and... Which sucked because I love that story because I watched... Again, like I had to watch playthroughs of PlayStation games growing up. So when going through that, I just didn't. I felt the aiming was off, and but that that's my own personal like. I think it's still a good game, but yeah. And when I played Last of Us, I played the remastered version. I didn't play the original, so because I think it was the only port that was available through the store. Yeah, like I said, remaster. It's what I played. Hmm. All right, I think we're kind of stalling on The Last of Us, but uh, yeah, it's a masterpiece. <laughs> Said it a couple times already, yeah, it's but I'm going to repeat it's... it. It's great. I think Last of Us 2 requires more discussion, though, because there's so much controversy around this thing. There's just, there's just more to talk about. It's more interesting than just endless praise, I think. So, yeah. Uh, I'm going to open up by saying... That I th- I think that Last of Us Part Two is the closest equivalent I can think of to how this game goes is the Last Jedi of the video game world. Yep. In that, twenty five percent of the fan base loathes it with a passion. Twenty five percent think it's one of the best things ever made, and the vast majority of people are just kind of ambivalent. <laughs> Yeah, man. Ryan falls into that 25% that hates it. I fall into the Mm -hmm. 50% that's more ambivalent, sees some things to like, some things to criticize. So I guess on the whole, we're going to be skewing more negative, but I'm a devil's advocate kind of guy. So I'll counter Ryan's negativity as thoroughly as I can. (laughs) It'll sound like I like the game more than I actually do. But, Mm -hmm. uh,. I got to offer that different perspective because it does do a lot right. I think it's just, Oh, for sure. It's just a, you want to talk about what it does more right? Or do you just want to get into the, into the arguing right away? Yeah, we can do that. You want to say, or you want to say that what it does right for the nice stuff later when we're like trying to make, no, we can, and we we can agree. (laughs) We can start now. It's fine. Start with the night stuff or start with the arguing. Start with the nice, start with the nice. This game is yeah. one of the most gorgeous I've ever played. Graphic-wise, just everything they about it, just everything from, yeah. like, 
And I want to say it's photorealistic graphics exactly, but just the way the the range it's shimmers It's pretty off. close. Yeah. It's pretty close, yeah. The way the range shimmers off everything, the way the the blood looks on the characters, just the, the snow. The, the snow, the roads cracking, the forests, the lights through the trees, the shadows. Mm-hmm. This this game is an artistic masterpiece just from visuals. Now, we're, maybe we can compare that to The Way of Water, where we had a very similar criticism about that. You can watch it with the sound turned off. Watch it turned on. You're in for a bit more of a mixed experience. But if you just yeah. look at the world, it's gorgeous. Really? It's Yeah, it's stunning. I just, yeah, I had to pause a few times just to look around, just be like, damn, there's so much amazing detail that's in this, and it really shows off the capabilities of um, just 4K gaming or just high-definition gaming as a whole. Especially on the snow. I couldn't get over, like, how it actually sparkles like real snow and how it tracks yeah. when Ellie is walking through the snow. I also like it's that depending on your brightness setting... Depending on your brightness settings, the snow looks a little blindingly white sometimes, which is pretty mm, cool. That's cool. Yeah. I think when you do the adjustment screen at the beginning, the snow is supposed to look not quite blinding, but really, really bright. So, like, for example, when I'm doing my adjustment, it's supposed to say, well, this is supposed to be so bright, you can't really see this. This one's supposed to be so mm-hmm. dark, you can't really see that. But then I just darkened it for fun just to see what it would look like really dark. And the bright one was like a deer bleeding out in the snow. I'm like, oh, the way it's supposed to be, I can't even see that. Okay, maybe I should be playing darker so I can see Yeah, whenever that that pops up, I always brighten it up a little bit, like any game. It it doesn't matter. I always brighten it up a little bit just because... I had... I, I caved, I was, playing, I was playing the game a little too dark, and then I freaking had to brighten it up for the Rat King part, which murdered me. Because I'm like, I can't see. This whole battle is just me running away, and I can't freaking see. Oh, is that the cult? Is he called the Rat King? No, the Rat King's when Abby's in the basement of the hospital, and she's trying to get the supplies, and then there's that thing that's just that abomination that attacks her. Oh... And I she, completely forgot about that. Like, she can't really do anything. It takes 30 shots to take this thing down, and she just has to run around right, in the basement right. of the hospital. And it kind of clones itself, and, like, clickers but jump off to... its body. There's, it's like an amalgamation of bloaters mm. and shamblers and clickers all together. It's disgusting. Well, they gave her creepy. the best guns, then. Yeah, Sorry, but when I... about good things. We're talking about, we're talking I, about good things. Sorry. <laughs> when I played it, I had, like, a shot of flamethrower left. Oh, no. <laughs> All my That's ammo was gone. I know. All my good guns that you're talking about, I, I was out. I was out of ammo. This is what I was mm. talking about earlier on when I'm like, you got to conserve the ammo. When I got to the Rat King, I had no good ammo left. So I got screwed. What, just hit it with on, a crowbar? <laughs> no, you can't melee it. Oh, no. You can't melee it. It's all guns. <laughs> guns are nothing. So you were fucked. <laughs> oh, yeah. And remind me, and just just so you know, I'm playing on hard mode. Oh, I, fuck. I play most games on hard mode. And you know what? I'll pat myself on the back. I didn't have to lower the difficulty for it. I beat it. Fair and square. Is this you calling me out because I said I had to lower the difficulty on one thing earlier? <laughs> no, I'm calling out Justin, too. I had this argument with him this morning. 
<laughs> he, he criticizes me for playing games on hard mode, says I'm a masochist for it, which, yeah, I probably am. It's true. <laughs> I don't play every what game on hard. What game did oh, he lower the difficulty on? He just plays on normal most of the time. He doesn't play Last of Us 2. Oh. Last of Us, he, oh, okay. he, he doesn't like the horror genre or suspense. Mm. He just stresses him out and he's like, eh, neither do I, but neither, neither do I, but the gameplay is just fun in the story itself. Last of Us Not is this one. <laughs> Last of Us, the kind of story. The gameplay is, is. Yeah. The gameplay. I'm a, the gameplay I think is even better than the first one. It refined everything good For about sure. it and just turned it up. One thing I'm you not can lie down. You can crouch. Oh, better. the prone is fantastic. One thing I don't know if I love or not is Ellie's knife. Because, like I was saying about right. in the first one, the the shivs are part of the conservation element of the game. You have to find the supplies, craft the shiv. It adds to the suspense. You're talking about Abby, for example. She's got all these great weapons, but she doesn't have unlimited use of shivs. She runs into clickers, has no bullets. She's a little bit screwed. Ellie can just keep slashing as long can't as you're she really just good at... Can't she just use her arm, though? Can't she just Sometimes. choke out the clicker? It depends. It, like, not in a... Hmm. In a one-on-one scenario, you still get overwhelmed without at least a melee oh, weapon. I see. But Ellie, yeah. as long as you're good with the dodge mechanic, you can just keep slashing forever. I, can, I, I took right. on so many runners with just my knife when I didn't want to use ammo, and I never thought I... Like with Abby, for example, when I'm playing <laughs> Sneaky, it's pretty much guns blazing, or you have to find the crafting for the shivs. With Ellie, you can get into three-on-one fights with runners all the time and just be really good at the dodge mechanic. So... <laughs> The game, I do think, incentivizes you to play stealthy as El- stealthy as Ellie and guns blazing as Abby, but that also plays more into the characters because Ellie is not really supposed to be in Seattle. She's kind of invading it on a revenge quest, and she doesn't have that many weapons, just whatever she can carry with her, whereas Abby comes from this militaristic organization based in Seattle, and she goes to their bases for resupply a lot. And she's, she's a former firefly. She's a soldier. She's jacked. She's ripped. So, like, I understand just the way they character. Yeah, she's stealing food. <laughs> yeah, I understand. 100% just, she's stealing food. She's yeah. too ripped. <laughs> Fair enough. I just understand from the way they're set up that why Abby has better weapons because that's just her background. She's a, she's a soldier and she has access to more. Ellie's just got what she's got. She just gets what she can yeah. find. <laughs> so it makes sense. Like, you kind of see, yeah. see it as a favoritism thing, but... Kind of. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to be positive here. Well, I yeah. can understand their reasoning for it. It just kind of sucks that you can't use the best guns in the game with arguably the best character in the game. And Ellie I know it's, a machine gun. Like a, it's... It's a creative choice. In the last, she only level. gets it near the end. Yeah, yeah, but in the end, so that's what sucks about it. I think it's kind of the way games work, though. Is if usually... Ellie got an assault rifle, that would be that would be good. I feel yeah, like but that'd the problem. Be... But the problem is that's not how you're supposed to really play Ellie. She's supposed to be sneaking around more, trying to find out information yeah. on the WLF and people. Like she's not going. Like she's just one person 
Mm-hmm. Sneaking around a hostile territory with clickers and the WLF and the Seraphites. Yeah. Everybody's on her ass. So it makes sense. She's got the bow and arrow, the knife she can use as much times as she wants, a sniper rifle, uh, a couple handguns, some um, silencers if things go really bad. Whereas mm-hmm. Abby is like flame. The silencers is machine- a nice touch for Last of Us yeah. Part 2. Yeah, whereas Abby's like flamethrowers, machine guns, assault rifles, because like that's what she does. Mm. They're at the WLF are at war, and she's a part of that. So I just think the ability to have the choice would be would have been nice. Where it'd be like you have to play it like this because yeah. Let's sadly let's face it. There's a lot of people who hate stealth games and don't like being stealthy. And the ability, yep. and there's a lot of people who won't play things as. St- there's a lot of people I know who play Assassin's Creed not that stealthy. And it's like, well, that's the whole point of it. But they have the choice to not be that stealthy. Yeah, and you cannot be stealthy in Last of Us Part Two as well. But you also, for like I said, Abby and Ellie run the risk of running out of ammo. In both cases, yeah. if anything, because Abby's more trigger happy, you're more likely to run out of ammo as her. Her stuff is good. But you still need to be careful when you use it. Mm-hmm. Especially later in the game. Fair point. It gets the so, ranking. Yeah. But I do think it's partially, not just the character base, but I think it's also partially an escalation. Because games are supposed to get more intense as they go, right? And I think Abby's sections, mm-hmm. personally, are more tough than Ellie's sections because you're trying to keep that momentum going you don't want to like it starts you back off at seattle day one but you don't want to feel like you're losing momentum so things need to get more challenging you need to feel more badass so they give you better weapons more challenging scenarios it feels like forward momentum still from a behind the scenes perspective so i understand why they're doing it from that reasoning too they want they don't want the player to feel like they're getting a downgrade. They want them to feel like they're getting more badass as the game goes, even though they're playing a different character. So it's about, yeah, keeping the momentum going is a large part of that. Very true. Uh, Graphics-wise, I think it's we should probably talk about the gore in this game, which is pretty controversial. A lot of yeah. people... A lot of people are very disturbed by the fact that, oh, first of all, how many dogs you kill or how people you kill shout out their teammates' names or whatever and mm-hmm. how they how they all seem like real people you're killing. And, oh, the death animations are so gory. Whenever you, uh, whenever you kill anyone, which it's I kind of... But whenever you die, it's... Which ugh. I kind of like... And I'm playing on hard, so I gotta see it over and over and over on brutal ways. Adds a sense of realism to the world and to the game itself, so I kind of like it. But you bring up the dog thing, which is really funny, where as Ellie, you kill so many dogs. As Abby, you don't kill any. You actually get to play fetch with a dog. Multiple As long as you want. So, well, Ellie does pet a... There's another favoritism. She does pet a dog in, in Jackson. In the very first day. For, yeah, you can only do it once. But you have to kill like 15 dogs. <laughs> so Ellie's not a dog person. That's okay. But She is a dog person. <laughs> she pet the dog. But you have to kill them. Anyway. Yeah. But I guess but that's yeah, just the I thing. Think the Seraphites don't have who, dogs. It's, 
Yeah. Yeah, but the people who complain about gore, they just they just don't like it. So I can see why they don't like it, but it's not like it's going to ruin a, uh, someone's mind. The rating is there for a reason. If you can't handle that, then you can't handle that, and that's okay. But I think the gore adds a realism to the world. and It just comes down to... You know, there's to... some parts I thought were a little too, like, a little too crazy where, again, I have a problem with it story-wise, but when Abby is just beating the shit out of Ellie and beating the shit out of um, Dina, it's like, Jesus Christ. Like, that realism is fucking crazy but that's what would happen if someone got the shit kicked out of them i also thought it was crazy that scene when ellie is beating the person to death with a crowbar i'm trying she's trying to interrogate them yeah that one was pretty brutal which too. is not as gory as like what other people think because you make it makes you think you're pressing with every swing but you only do it like twice and then it goes into the cutscene of her doing the swings but yeah, yeah that was it reminded me of god of war 3 they which do that part- pov shot a couple times which, once again, moments like that are part of the point. I think the goriness of this game is going to get into a complicated point. I, I don't know how to make it in a few words. But this game is weird to me because it actually, in most games, mowing down swarms of enemies in settings like this makes you feel like a badass, makes you feel like you're awesome at the game. It's just arguably fun it makes violence and gore and mass murder fun last of us part two makes it feel the toll of human life especially makes feel, it feel like a chore yeah it's not only not only feel like a chore but it makes it feel wrong like i should not be killing these people and enjoying it even in a video game it makes it makes video game violence feel like real-life violence. It kind of makes you feel like a sociopath as you're playing it because it's so realistic and gory. Which Mm. is, once again, this is why it's a complicated point for me because it's both a criticism and a plus in my mind. It's It's a criticism because as a person playing the game, it makes it a slog, like you said. I'm like, I don't want to feel like a sociopath while I'm playing. I want to be able to have fun when I'm playing a video game. And all these deaths actually weighing on my conscience, that doesn't make it fun. That just makes it depressing. And I don't really want to play this game much more. I don't even really want to finish it because I'm not really having fun. I'm just being bombarded with depression for 30 hours. Mm-hmm. And that, that's just a part of it. The story does it no favors. The story is just constant depression too. But on the positive side, that's also part of the point. The huge death toll in this game is supposed to feel like you're becoming a monster because, like, Ellie is. And she's feeling it, too. That scene with the crowbar, when she's beating the person, you feel it, she feels it, she regrets it. She feels like it's something she has to do, but even she recognizes her brutality is getting a little far. She's killed how many dozens of people just for her revenge quest. And in her mind, it's justified. Us as the player, we're still pissed at Joel's death. Everybody watching this game feels they want to go on this revenge quest too. But even after killing all these people, you feel, like Ellie does, that like, yeah, maybe this is a bit excessive. Is this really worth it in the end? Is this quest, like this quest doesn't feel fun. It doesn't feel fulfilling as a player or in Ellie's mind. The game is trying to make you empathize and 
with Ellie and show you and make you feel how wrong this mass murder in the quest for revenge really is, which is, once again, I just don't know how to feel about that because it makes its point so well. I know exactly what it's trying to do and it does it so effectively because I feel exactly what it wants me to feel while I'm playing this game. But at the end of the day, it's a game and it's not fun. It just makes it hard mm-hmm. to enjoy, but it's the point. So, yeah. To kind of counter you a little bit, I never really felt bad for killing all those bunch of people as Ellie because I identified with her point of view and her drive to seek revenge for Joel. And the wolf people came at her first. You know, there was no, like, they shoot to kill or whatever. So, in my eyes, they were more evil than Ellie was. So, I never really felt sympathy for them even though they were calling out each other's names because i don't know maybe i'm a little sociopathic myself but it's just i never really felt that but um i can see where other people would and see where they're coming from as well but it was i never felt like it was fun to kill them it just felt like a slog like you come from this there's this one point in ellie's playthrough where you go from section to section of different houses or different hotels, and you're just like, yeah. by like the third section, you're like, Jesus Christ, can we just get to the story? Like, why do I have to go through another section of people? Yeah, that's true. So, yeah. Oh, yeah, the other reason I think this game feels like a depressing slog is just uh, the weather. <laughs> uh, yep. I know there was different points there was oh yeah beginning they're in jackson they're in the snow they're in the forest there's some nice days the flashbacks look nice and sunny maybe as a coping mechanism for the trauma i don't know they're just remembering their past more fondly but i feel like 90 percent of this game is just dreary seattle rain (laughs) just beating down on you gray skies concrete environment Moments of beauty shine through on occasion, but most of it is just you're being rained on, killing people in really gory ways. Every Going through mucky water. Which I understand how that feels, because after playing that game for so long, I don't know what it's like for you in Toronto, but up where I'm at, I haven't seen the sun in two weeks. Today it popped out for half an hour and all the guys at work were like, holy crap, we haven't seen the sun in two weeks. No, it's still Seriously. crap weather down here, sadly. It's so bad. Like, I don't know if I've had it for so long just not seeing the sun, and it made me feel mm-hmm. like The Last of Us Part Two. I'm like, ah, oh, that's what this reminds me of. Well, it's been, like, raining the last week, and all the snow has been washed away. It's just shitty, muddy weather in the middle of December. And for people who don't believe in climate change, come up to Toronto right now. <laughs> like, I've never seen January this... totally tell. I've never seen January this yeah. green. Not in my life. This green or this warm, it's what? Three degrees outside? It should above be zero. minus 10 at least. I've never, I don't think I've ever seen a January above zero for this consistent. That's scary. We're like a week in and it hasn't really gone below zero. Maybe like a couple degrees That's down. scary. But... That's like scary to think about. Yeah, just within Is our lifetime. Is it supposed to get colder anytime soon? I think it's... Not that much colder, man. Yeah. Like still above zero. God. Yeah. Well, We're all no, going guess... to burn to death. Now it's time to get into the meat of it, I think. So we're talking about this depressing slog of a game. It all, at the root of it, comes down to the characters. 
and their stories. And so this game opens up nice enough, I think. You got, uh, you know, Joel and Tommy talking about Ellie. Oh, are we going to tell her after all what's, what's going on? Our relation, their relationship isn't the best. We don't really know what happens. They set up, oh, there's some tension between Joel and Ellie. We, the audience, realize, well, it's probably because she found out or there's about his life from the first game, or there's something going on between them. And then yada, 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 Abby comes into Jackson, kills Joel, Tommy and Ellie vow a revenge quest. Tommy goes running off, she takes, Ellie takes Dina, Jesse follows them later, but they don't know that. And then, um, so yeah, that's, that's where they're half of the story. And, uh, you want to talk about their half first or just kind of bounce back and forth between them and Abby or whatever? Well, to kind of like go through that, um, when you, when Joel and Abby first meet, you're actually playing as Abby and you don't really know why Abby is there. And, uh, as soon as you get through the sequence and they get back to their cabin or their, uh, their lodge, um, Abby attacks Joel and effectively beats him to death. Um, and then so that's when you realize that the whole game is just a revenge quest to uh, uh, for Ellie to take revenge on Abby. And then it's Abby and Dina who they're kind of in a relationship at this point. Go through all of Seattle trying to track down Abby and her friends because there was a group of them trying to take them off one by one. And the whole time Dina is talking to Ellie about, well, do you think Joel did the right thing or do you think... You know, they had a point in it, whatever, which, yeah, I have my own criticisms about that. And sure. then you get to the point, yeah, you get to that own, uh, that point where um, Jesse meets up with them and then Tommy meets up with them. I'm just kind of breezing by it because this, yeah. I don't think this section really matters that much, in my opinion, until they finally meet up after Ellie um, kills... Abby's ex and the pregnant lady like I think all of her friends are dead at this point and then Abby finds out where they are because fucking Ellie drops the map at like their home base of like hey this is where we're staying come find us Abby which is so dumb but and then Abby you know Jesse is just be starting to become like a real character and then they run out into the door then he's just dead for shock factor and then You see her, they have the little confrontation there, but then it cuts to back to Seattle day one where we find where the rest of the game and probably the majority of it, you play as Abby. No, it's half. It's exactly half. It feels longer. Anyway. Actually, if anything, if anything, if anything, I think you play as Ellie longer because you play as Ellie for that first. Oh, because play it her at the end. Yeah. Yeah. So technically Ellie gets a little bit more than half, but it just feels a bit longer. Yeah. Well, the first thing I think the elephant in the room is Joel's death, which, you know what, I, I, it didn't, I came into this game late, like a year late or so, and I didn't get it spoiled outright that Joel was going to get killed in the game, but also I knew this game was heavily controversial right from the get-go, and I'm like, you know, I don't know Joel's going to die. But I'm pretty sure Joel's going to die. So I had that already in the back of my mind. I'm just like, okay, how is it going to go down? 
Uh, like, how much is this going to piss me off? So by the time I played the game, I'd already worked through a lot of the disappointment and rage that came with that shocking moment that pissed a lot of people off who played in real time. So that's maybe why I come at it a little more different than you might. I don't know if you got it spoiled or not. Or even well, I watched it for the playthrough, so yeah. So you had it. In it real wasn't time. spoiled, but I had like the I had the linear thing. Yeah, so I didn't get it spoiled, but I kind of I kind of knew what was happening. So yeah. I worked through it Same. on my own time. So when I saw it happen, yeah, that was it was very shocking and it was very upsetting because I Joel's a great character from the first game, and I it immediately puts you on. Ellie's side for sure and like I said it makes you want to do this revenge quest and you're fully locked into the game now I know you you talked about your criticism before about how a lot of this game asks the question well was Joel really that good a guy did he do a wrong thing by saving Ellie you you've talked about that before right yeah, well, my criticism about the conversations between Dina and Ellie is that Dina constantly criticizes Joel and never backs him up. And it's like, wait, why are you here? It's like, we're going on this revenge quest for Joel, but you're here to make us feel guilty about going after Joel because he killed all those people to save me. So that's the one part about Dina's character I didn't really like. I don't think Dina and really. That was more Ellie. I heard it, criticism from. No, it was it was Dina. It was she did a D, lot too. It was Dina. She did a lot of it, and I mean Ellie criticized it, but like she was just mad at him for it. For lying. And yeah. For lying, but also like, I just don't think it's written well where they have their last scene together, where they're out on the porch, um, near the end, where Joel never says why he saved her. He like he never says it, which would have been. It would have I don't know if it would have fixed everything, but it would have helped. Whereas like they didn't give me a choice. They knocked me out. They took you to go away to for surgery and they were basically going to let you die for a fungal infection virus, which you can't put a vaccine for if it's already affecting everybody in the world. Like it's like it scientifically doesn't matter, but also it's video yeah. game universe. So you could take with a grain of salt. They would have probably fixed the world. And so Joel's like, you're about to kill my daughter figure who he lost a daughter at the beginning of the apocalypse. I'm not about to lose another one for you psychopaths. So I'm going to save her from you, you all because she matters for the first time. I care about someone other than myself or Tommy. So I'm going to save her. He never brings that up in the final conversation. All he says is, yeah, I just, I would do it all over again. And it's like, you're not understanding. Like they were going to kill you, Ellie. Like they were going to kill you. And I know she would have been okay with that, but you have to look at it from Joel's perspective of he never got the choice. They were just going to do it to him anyway. So my counter for And they would have killed him. Sorry, you finished. No, I was done. So my counter for that, the, on the two front, for Joel's explanation, I do think he did tell her that they were going to kill her, didn't he? And she said, I thought he did. No. 
Not in that scene, he but never, I thought she... He never brings it up. He never brings it up. Did she not find out at some point that it would have killed her, though? I think she did find out it was... The first scene... If she found wasn't it, she wasn't found it the first out, scene when she found was, the hospital? No. I think it was when she found out he was lying. And I think he did say they were like it was going to kill you. And then she said, well... Like, well, maybe I yeah, should have died because it could have done something. You. But my, what my point is, is that he never brought up saying that he never had a choice. And then you were never given a choice. So I well, did I, what I did. So my counter They were to that, never given a choice. My counter to that was, you know, LA's mad at him for, I think it's just Joel's maturity at, at this point where he knows Ellie's young and he's, she's very angry at him for saving her life and she's not really looking for explanations if he tried to make excuses for it even if he was totally justified we played through it we know he's right but if he tried explaining it it sounds like just making excuses so it's like would it have made a difference to her i don't know i don't don't think what i'm getting what i'm getting at is the writing in this doesn't help him at all it just, it's, especially in that last scene where he's just saying, I'm sorry, but I would just do it again. Where if he just, if he literally just said, they gave me no choice and I wasn't going to lose you, that I would have been fine with it. But he just, all he really does is just apologize and he becomes almost a villain in her eyes in that last scene. Well, see, but that's, but that's exactly what I mean. You say you left me no choice. There's always a choice. That's just an excuse. He didn't have to save her. He didn't have to kill the doctors. He didn't have to lie to her. There were, there were choices. He just made the one he thought was best. So there's really... And if she already disagrees with his decision, there's really... He made his decisions and he has to live with the consequences. Explaining it any further isn't really going to change things. It's can they move forward is the real question. My mm-hmm. other counterpoint to you for Dina was to me this game is about Ellie's perspective. The first game is all about Joel. We saw how it went down for him. We know why he did Mm -hmm. what he did and why he did it. Uh, We know, we saw how it all played out. Ellie did not. So Ellie and Dina voicing their concerns, to me, that's not the game saying Joel was wrong outright. This is how you should think about it, audience. That's me saying, that's to me that the game saying this is how these characters see it. They don't have all the information. This is how Dina and Ellie think about this situation, maybe upon reflection. They don't really know what was going through Joel's mind. But we as the audience, we're, we're the in-between. We see, we understand, we're playing as Ellie now. We understand why she feels betrayed and lied to by Joel. But we also played through the first game ourselves, and we know why Joel lied to her. and. The truth is honestly somewhere in the middle, and we as the audience get to make that decision. Ellie is probably more mad than she ought to be, because we know how Joel felt, but we also know Joel probably shouldn't have lied to her. So we know how Joel feels, we know how Ellie feels, and it's our decision to say who was really right. But they're allowed to feel how they want to feel. It doesn't have to glorify Joel's decision for our sake, because we know what he was doing. Mm Mm-hmm. So to me, that, that's how my... I saw that. It's not Joel is objectively wrong. It's just the characters think he's wrong, but we don't have to. No, I know that. But like the part of me hates that because 
why do we, the audience, know better and know more than the actual characters themselves? And now the characters are trying to throw criticisms in one of the most beloved characters to come across gaming in the past decade. And I understand... That's the problem with being omniscient. We know more than they do. Like, it's... But we do. I know. So why are they bringing up... Like, that's my whole point. We do know better. But that's just how stories work. My whole problem with this story is I understand their story points. If you put it in a linear story, it works fine enough. And in a realistic world, it would probably end up this way. My whole problem with this story is why did they have to execute it this way? Was it for shock factor? Did they really just want to tell a complex story but it's weirdly out of order did they want to do something for did the creator want to do it for shock factor to mix things up yeah. and i just feel like how it's exec like the, the to me it's not what you say like it's a, i don't know whose like original quote is it's not what you say it's how you say it and the way this has this story was executed for me i just found really disrespectful from what the first game is so I think to me, one of the best ways I ever, defenses I've ever seen of this, and I, I'm not going to, I can have the quotes per se, was a, a ch- mm-hmm. YouTube channel yeah, called, ahead, Gr- it's a YouTube, yeah, it's a YouTube channel called Girlfriend Reviews. And they did a fantastic in defense <laughs> of this game. That's a great channel which, name. <laughs> oh, I lo- oh, it's fantastic. Basically, the concept of the channel is the guy Oh, plays that's video like games. my girl, I play it and my girlfriend reviews it. Is that what it is? No, uh, I think I've seen that. Well, yeah, he he plays the games and she's she narrates the videos and she it's basically reviews of reviews of video games from backseat gamers. Like, can you enjoy watching these games? I think I've seen that. Yeah, and I think yeah, I've seen those too. They're very entertaining. They're very well written. So they did one for Last of Us Part Two, and in that they were talking basically about how the idea of Last of Us Part Two, so far as they could tell, is it's all about empathy. They said that the real game isn't what you're playing through. It's not the revenge quest. It's not you trying to kill Abby and killing all these people in Seattle to get to her and then just letting her go in the end. Like, that's not the real challenge of the game. The real challenge of the game is about empathy and forgiveness. The beginning of the game is this person we don't know kills Joel. We sympathize with Ellie. We know why she's doing what she's doing. We kill a whole bunch of people in Seattle to get to Abby. And then the game throws the curveball and makes you play as Abby. And they know right up front, you're going to hate playing as Abby. This is the woman who killed Joel. We hate this woman. But the idea of the game is, can you play through Abby's half of the story, see her side of things, and take ourselves out of Ali's mind for a moment? Can we, with the knowledge of another person's life, learn to empathize with them. This person has wronged Ellie and they wronged us, the audience, by extension. We love Joel, too. But now that we see things from her perspective, it's like you said, we know things the characters don't know. Ellie doesn't know Abby's life. She doesn't know what Abby's been through or why she does what she does. She just knows this is the woman who killed Joel. But we play through Abby's perspective and the real challenge is, after we're done playing in her shoes, can we forgive Abby? Can we see her as an individual person who's 
got her own motivations. And of course, she's wrong to kill Joel, but we can, can we understand it? Do we still have that same bloodlust? Or are we just like, Ellie, consumed by revenge no matter what, and only at the end still want to kill her, even though we, we know her now. We have both sides of the story. And Girlfriend Reviews basically says, you, you kind of lose the game if you get to the very end and you still have that bloodlust. Because then it's basically you didn't learn anything. You lost the lesson in empathy. And you fell into the trap of revenge and bloodlust that screws over Ellie in the end. She didn't. She had the happy life with Dina. She could have stopped. She could have let Abby go. But she went back to California. She, you know, she went for no good reason, really. And she ended up losing both her fingers in the fight. Came back. Dina's gone. Her revenge quest made Ellie lose everything. And it didn't have to. But it's because she kept pursuing it. Abby let things go. She had a relationship with Lev. She, you know, she was going to kill Dina and Ellie, like you said, when she had the chance. But Lev talked her down. The relationship she formed uh, helped talk her down from a moment she couldn't have come back from. She let Ellie live. Lev. She let her go. She said, Lev I'm talked her down after she killed Jesse and took a shot at Tommy, which everybody thought Tommy died right there. So after... That's after playing 10 hours of forced yeah. empathy on this character right after. And then right there, they, she kills another favorite character. So all that empathy for me goes straight out the window. And yeah. I just, uh, before we get too far into this, did some of the audience get trapped in the concept of bloodlust and revenge? Or did people, and I'm, this is just a question, I'm not accusing her or you of anything, or did yeah. people who enjoy it get caught in empathizing and the f what I feel is forced empathy towards a certain character. I don't believe that this story itself is terrible. I believe the way it's structured is wrong. So, again, uh, sorry, finish your point before I even go on the tangent. Yeah, well, basically my point was that the truth really lies in the middle. The game's not trying to tell you Abby was right to kill Joel. It's trying to say she had a reason. This is why she did it. Take it for what you will. But it also says yeah. Ellie had a reason to want to kill Abby. She did all these things in pursuit of it as well. Maybe she was right for it. Maybe she wasn't. Take it as you will. Do you feel good killing all these people in Seattle? Do you, as Abby, feel any satisfaction at the end of her story after having killed Joel and gone through it. Abby got her revenge, and she didn't really feel any better for it. She still, she still felt as shitty as she did before the, she killed Joel. It didn't bring her any peace. And that's why at the end, Ellie let Abby go, because she had her under the water. She was killing her. She could have killed her, but even then she realized it wouldn't Should've. bring her any... It, it, she realized it wouldn't bring her any peace. It didn't matter at that point. She had her where she wanted her, and she didn't feel better. So I have so uh, many so problems Ellie took, with that ending. So Ellie took the higher road in the end. Because even after all uh, the bad things she's done, she, you know, she realized that it was all, all going to be for nothing. She was trying to make amends for herself so she would feel better, but she knew she wouldn't. So she let her go because in the end, she finally decided to just say, forget it. It's not worth what it's done to me so I can live the rest of my life 
with a more clear conscience, at the very least, you know, all the atrocities I've done, I'll still have done them, but at least I didn't go and do one more. And I think Abby's the same way. She she did her atrocity, and she mostly moved on from it as best she could. These people are both traumatized. You've played through both their stories. Nobody gets a happy ending. But it's... Yeah. But okay. I also don't... So for... I, I, I don't mind it. It's just depressing. <laughs> the fact that a game came out in, what, 2020, 2019, whatever this 19. game came out, and... There's so many games where you could do dialogue options and different endings and all that. The fact that, and I know they never did this in the past Last of Us or the whole game, but the fact that the gamers weren't even given a choice to let Abby go or to kill her, for me, was a missed opportunity. That's Because this is a character who killed Joel took a shot at Tommy, left him blind in one eye, killed Jesse, beat Dina, who is your girlfriend, almost to death, almost beat you to death, effectively left you excommunicated from your home in Jackson because of, you know, she killed Joel and that left you to run away and leave with Dina, effectively possibly is the reason you split up your relationship with Dina. Um, I don't know what, ha I can't remember what happens to Tommy in the, at the end of the story. I don't know if he runs away or goes back to Jackson. He goes back to Jackson, but he's too injured to go back yeah. to, so he, he ends up, I think, leaving Maria because his obsession with revenge makes him not fun to yeah. live with anymore. And the fact that you're not even given the choice to kill Abby to have two different if they want to keep this ending whatever but the fact you didn't give a choice to kill Abby after going through a 25 hour long game of just senseless violence senseless killing of people dogs clickers runners the rat king cult members and you don't kill the one person you hate the most in this game i just feel is such a slap in the face cuz what did i play 25 hours for to learn and lesson that revenge is bad. I know revenge is bad, but you took me on this journey about how we should sympathize with the villain of the story, and then when we get to the midpoint of the story, she continues to do evil shit to our favorite characters, and the fact that we're never allowed to take revenge on her, even though in the middle of the end fight, I lose two fingers, I would have beaten her to fucking death. But also, you got to keep in mind here, you're just talking about the atrocities that Abby's done. Uh, think about what Ellie's done to her. You know, it started That's my off whole point. Ellie's done so much shit to get to this point. And the fact she, that she doesn't kill him, or so like, kill her, fact, sorry. So that's why I don't necessarily feel bad for... Like, of course, I feel bad that she, she crippled Tommy and, shot and killed Jesse. But also at this point in the story, if you got if you look at it like a like a flow chart, you know, it's like Joel Joel killed Abby's father. Okay. So Abby killed Have you Joel. seen before you before you so, go yeah. further, have you seen when The Last of Us Part One came out? Someone did 
a compilation of using every gun and flamethrower and whatever in the game to kill the doctor. Because they're like, <laughs> after playing Last of Us Part 2, and it's just a compilation of them killing the doctor in so Make many it different a ways. Spot. That's funny. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Because so, after knowing who the doctor is. So Joel kills the doctor. The doctor's daughter kills Joel. Ellie goes to Seattle, murders most of the WLF, most of Abby's friends, and even tortures them at some point. It's like, so Abby killed one really important person. Joel killed someone Mm -hmm. important, Abby. Abby killed the person in retaliation. And then Abby, and then Ellie goes to Seattle and arguably over-retaliates in her revenge quest. She kills, it's not just a one-for-one at this point. Ellie kills basically everybody she loves. After this trip to Jackson, emotionally devastated Abby. Like, she didn't get anything from it. It distanced her from Owen even more. Mel Caesar is a monster now. She's lost some friends. She doesn't feel any better. And then this girl comes in and over-retaliates. So then she goes, and then she kills Jesse. Well, she so, wants... And, and, wants, and wants to wanted, kill Dina. So all Ellie like, but, wanted was, was Abby. She didn't have to kill all yeah. her friends, but the friends got in the way. I know, but when you're saying, you know, Abby seems monstrous for coming back and killing Jesse and Dina, it's like, oh, wow, she's just, she's like, she killed Joel, and now she's going to kill two more. That still doesn't, well, three more if you count Tommy. So she's trying to kill three more friends of Ellie's. But think of how many people Ellie's killed, like, Ellie's killed way more than three of her friends that we've seen, the important ones. But they're friends we don't give a shit about. Yeah, but you I'm care sorry, about... we don't care about him. And then that Owen mid point of the story... Owen, Owen's one of the best f- characters you in try the story. To, you, you chase Ellie through the theater trying to shoot her and beat her up. I don't want to do that as a person who loves this universe and loves this story. You know how many people I watch play, doing a playthrough literally put their controller down like, why am I fighting Ellie? Why am I not given the choice to either choose to fight as Ellie or choose to fight as Abby? Why do I have to play as the villain here? It would be like, God, uh, I'm trying to even think of like a, a, like a comparison. Like imagine playing as fucking, okay, imagine, uh, you don't even know Halo. Well, imagine playing as Master Chief for the whole time. And then you have this random elite soldier that comes up in the middle, at the very beginning of the story and just kills Master Chief. And then throughout the story, you learn about the elite's, you know, trauma and how Master Chief killed his race or whatever and blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, okay, I understand what you're going for, but because of what you're going for doesn't mean I have to accept and care for this person. Like, I understand, I understand fully why Abby killed Joel. I don't have a problem with that. My problem is how they execute the story. And I have a little... I have a little thing here that I think would have made the story 10 times better, but I kind of want to save that for like a few minutes later because I feel like you have more points and sure. I don't want to keep going. No, I just, I just want to counter that and say it's the story I think was, and this is a, definitely a criticism, but well, you know, this is another one of those, I don't know if it's a criticism or a plus things, but this story is designed to be controversial. It's, Like, it was never going to please anybody, and they were not trying to make a crowd pleaser, which I think is very interesting when you're talking about a sequel to, as we keep saying, one of the most acclaimed games ever made. They could have easily just done a cash grab sequel that didn't 
try anything innovative or challenging or make you think at all. But they did this thing that's really divisive and gets people talking. And they they had a creative vision in mind. They knew not everyone was going to love or even like. But I have to appreciate that they swung for the fences really hard with this one, and it landed with a lot of people. I, It's one of those things where I'm not satisfied with it, but I respect it. I, I respect that they tried to not take a conventional route that would have been satisfying to, like, to everybody. A very... It, yeah, they went less than bittersweet with it. They didn't have to go as depressing as they did, but I, I appreciate that it wasn't, yeah. Respect is a strong word for me, and I can respect storytellers that try to do something different, but the way they did it here, I don't even find respectful because, once again, you're taking characters from a beloved masterpiece of a of a of a game and you're effectively trying to make them the villain because because you want to make it a complex world and so you make us play as the villain in it you know her reason for it, like oh it turns out their dad was the doctor and it's like okay well your doctor dad was trying to murder Ellie but let's just forget about that so you play this 10, 10 hours for Abby, but it's set in present, and the reason you can't find Abby is because she's off with this cult boy, which is a really strange part in the game where you're just kind of like, okay, sure, go for it. Um, but I just feel no motivation to play Abby at this point. Like, I just, I, I'm sorry I don't, especially after he, she shoots Jesse and is about to cap Ellie. But yeah. I'm just curious how this game would play if you if somebody were to mod it and put it in a different order. Say for example, you played through Ellie's story first. You killed that Joel. That was gonna be my whole Yeah. That yeah. was gonna be my whole point. So You killed Joel, the, the played way through Ellie's story, story first. This story could have worked if here's how I would have story structured it. Ellie is off she you know ellie and joel maybe even the opening scene is ellie and joel having their last you know fight or their last talk on the porch whatever you want to do that you structure it it doesn't have to be the same exact scene you can even even structure where he confronts him like why did you do that and um so maybe she runs off she runs away really far away and turns out uh she gets run up by the horde or whatever she gets lost like really far far away and she runs into abby and you can maybe if you want to flip flop between abby and ellie at certain points just for different sections maybe there's more there's a section where you have to face a horde and you have to play as abby because she has all the best weapons but then you have to play as ellie and you sneak around and you know you're trying to get through you can even use the cult if you want to, trying to get through the cult. And you have these two start to share a bond, almost like a like a sister-sister relationship. 
you have them grow together as a character uh, as characters and learn to trust each other because they both don't trust a lot of people and you can even have them interact with different people uh if you want to and then eventually i'm just rushing through this because i don't have yeah. i can't do like a whole pitch in what 15 minutes and eventually, because obviously Joel and Tommy would go after uh, Ellie, and then eventually you have like there'll be like they would be like little story beats too, where Ellie's like, "Oh, why are you all the way out here?" It's like Abby, just like, "Oh, I'm just I'm looking for someone," and she doesn't want to fully say who it is or what she's looking for. And then when they finally see Joel, Abby can be like, "That's the fucking guy I'm looking for." Shoots him in the leg or whatever. Ellie's confused and doesn't really know what to do. Maybe some of Abby's friends are there and is holding her back. She goes through her whole monologue about what Joel did and Yeah. And then and then it becomes the revenge thing. Uh of now Abby's running away. Ellie's chasing after her. This doesn't have to be like the ending, but it could be even the midpoint or even a little like the climax of it where Ellie now has to kill a few of her friends. Abby's still running away. They have their final confrontation, and then you're given the choice whether or not you want to kill Abby or not. I'm fine with stories not being linear like this one, but you have to structure it well because, like you said, I they swung for the fences and they knew they were going to be controversial with it. That's not a good not, thing in my eyes. It's not usually, a good thing in my eyes where, you, like, if you know like you're going to be principle. controversial, it's... N- I don't think so. If you know you're going to piss off, like, your fans, that's not a good thing. Like, look what happened with, I don't know, the Justice League and all those changes. They knew they were going to piss off fans, but they chose to do it that way anyway. Yep. So, and to me, that tells, like, my pitch. I'm not patting myself on the back. But to me, you could tell a much more compelling story with that where you could actually sympathize with Abby a bit where she talks with Elian about how her father died and this crazy man came and killed her. And then later you found out, it's like, oh, you were the girl we were supposed to save. And it's just, where can you go from there? Instead of it being like, here, we're introduced to this character, she kills Joel right away, and then we try to track her down as Ellie. Abby shows up in the midpoint, kills Jesse, tries to kill Tommy. Then we have to play as Abby for 10 hours and sympathize for someone who's killing our favorite characters. And then near the end of her story, of playing as her, we're trying to kill Ellie. Don't like that at all. And then near the end, we can't kill Abby whatsoever. Yeah, I, I definitely see what you're saying there. And, you know, I don't... For me, when it comes to the swinging for the fences thing, I, I think it's very dependent on the characters is where I come from. I think, to me, the main mm. question is... No matter what the story is, do you believe the characters would do this? And I did. Uh, I mean, I didn't, I didn't necessarily like the story they were telling, but I believed that in this situation, these characters would do what they did. Uh, the structure of it is up for debate. Like you said, I understand why you didn't like that and why it was controversial. But when it comes to this particular story, that's, for example, I don't want to get on this tangent. I do it enough. But it's why I don't like The Last Jedi, because I don't feel like it's very similar to me going back to The Last Jedi. Mm -hmm. Like I said, it's The Last Jedi of the video game world. 
to me, this story works because while it's unsatisfying, I also believe the characters would do this. So it feels like a natural conclusion, even if it's not a happy ending that leaves you feeling good inside. Whereas The Last Jedi feels very, okay, you changed characters from the originals, even The Force Awakens. You changed characters to do the story you wanted to tell. I don't feel like the characters from past movies would do this. I feel like Ryan Johnson wanted this to happen and he made it happen. So, like, that movie took swung for the fences too, but it didn't feel as believable. So, I respect wanting to do crazy things, but it's got to feel natural. And The Last of Us did, but it's... Like I said, it's not... Account, yeah, a bit of a counterpoint to that was well, in The Last Jedi, they didn't have Kylo Ren kill Luke Skywalker at the very beginning, and then have you sympathize with Kylo Ren for the entire movie. May as well. There's that point. Yeah. Might have, yeah. But it's just, I understand the story that they wanted to tell. But it's, it's just, just how they it, told all, it. It, all comes, it all comes down to why. Why do you want me? To care so much about Abby. Why do you want me to care so much about a doctor who was going to kill Ellie for a vaccine that may or may not have worked? Why do you want me to care so much about the a group that, ex, that was thrown out of the fireflies that turned themselves into the wolves that are more, that kind of more of a bit of a terrorist group in some lights? Instead of me caring about and bringing more character development for Joel and Ellie, you could have made a second game where they're running Jackson together and Ellie finds out um, the truth and then they have to split off or even the town takes sides in what happens and you think is something going to be fucked up and then maybe even the, and no one's really paying attention outside because there's conflict, so much conflict in the city. And then a horde shows up in Jackson, and you have to fight. Imagine being in Jackson, and you're fighting off a horde. And then you have to split off from Ellie and Joel, and they're by themselves. Maybe Ellie is with Dina, Joel is with Tommy, and they're both trying to find each other and either, you know, stop the conflict, or Ellie might want to continue the conflict. I think even that could be a great game. Why did you have to introduce a new character just to kill off? one of the most beloved characters ever and then make me try and then try to make me sympathize with that character it to, to me, me the main, i'll tell you the main it doesn't reason make for my sense mind, the main reason for my mind is i hear what you're saying with your pitches and they do sound like interesting games but listening to you talking about them what i think they're missing is a very strong emotional reason to want to like for example when your your first pitch with uh, Abby and Ellie doing stuff together and kind of building a, a partnership before you find out that Abby and Joel have a have a history. It's kind of like, well, while you're playing that, what's the emotional reason for us to care about this journey? On the original, it was about this father-daughter relationship. We saw his daughter get killed in the at the beginning. We wanted to see him bond with this new daughter figure. In this one, the inciting incident is 
okay, Joel's murdered. That's a really dramatic, emotional thing to get the audience hooked. It gets the momentum going. It's a real strong, emotional hook for a story one way or the other. It's one that pisses people off, mind you, but it's a very strong, emotional hook. And the stories you're suggesting sound like more satisfying games, but they also lack a sense of urgency. Or, like, why do I really care about this? Like, stuff is happening. It's expanding the world. We're getting more time with these characters we love. But what about these makes me really care? This revenge story is controversial. What about this game makes me care about Abby? Well, that's a later problem. What what about this game makes me care about Abby? That's a later problem. That's, That's on their execution. I'm just talking right off the hop. The death of Joel is a compelling start for a game. It, it gets you pretty, okay, so this is what we're doing, and I want revenge. I get, I get what you're saying, like, it's compelling, and it's shocking, and it is a good driving force, but you come from one of the most well-crafted stories of all time in terms of gaming, and then the sequel is just a basic revenge quest. That's how I see it. Yeah. And it just kind of, you're just like, okay, I guess I'm going on this revenge quest with Ellie and Dina. And then halfway through, no, it's not a revenge quest. Yep. So, like, again, like, if I had more time, I would... De- and I, I know you're not, like, fully criticizing it, but if I had more time, there'd definitely be more of an inciting incident for, yeah. like, my yeah. version of The Last of Us Part Two. But... Yeah, I'm just saying, based on what I'm... It's gonna be interesting. I'm going to... Going to I'm strong. very interesting. Yeah. I'm going to be very interested to see... I mean, maybe even, like, the Horde shows up and fucking at the beginning of, uh, like, my version of Last of Us Part Two. I don't know. I just think, I don't know. I just found this out now. Like, fighting the Horde in the town of Jackson, I think, would be really cool. That would but, be cool. Um, it'd be very, I'm very interested to see. Like, if all of Jackson got the decimated show. and then it's like, where do we go next? That's, okay, that's mm-hmm. a, that's a compelling, inciting incident. Yeah. It's just as depressing. I'm very interested to see in the show how far they go because of the controversy of this game. And depending on how successful this show is, like, do you think the ending of the show is going to be the ending of the first game? I think there's two options, personally. Like, for the first seasons? Yeah. What I think they're going to do, if they were smart, I wouldn't expect this show to get multiple seasons. I think that's, that's a gamble that I would not want them to take. I don't want them to end off on cliffhangers. What I'd like to see them do, Season one should end where the first game ended. It should just be the story of the first game. That way, if they don't get another season, we have the complete story. Or a complete story. Season two. Problem with season two is that the actress you got playing Ellie is not going to be old enough to play Ellie in Last of Us Part 2. But Last of Us Part 2 is littered with all these flashbacks. Unless you wait a few years. Yeah, so Last of Us Part Two is littered with all these flashbacks about what happens between the first and second games. So if you're going to make a season two of The Last of Us, maybe tell the story of those flashbacks. Introduce Abby early on, so you can, like, you know, so you're seeing Joel and Ellie's continued adventures, and then you have Abby as the new character in the show to shake things up, and maybe drag that out for a couple years, and then adapt The Last of Us Part Two for maybe season four. Or something. Mm. Apparently, the show is going to have nine episodes. Yeah, that's about long for enough. the first season. Mm-hmm. Well, the game was I'm just only very what, interested 10, to see that it was like thirteen hours or so. 
uh, I think, yeah, somewhere between 13 and 15 or something like that. So they're about right for a show. Oh, we never talked about the DLC for, uh, like, Ellie and Riley. That was decently well done, too. Yeah, it gave okay. more story to Ellie. Yeah, I mean, it's basically set up uh, her whole relationship with Dina. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's because the game did so well that they wanted to pump out, like, a DLC because people love the story so well. Yeah. I was like, what could we tell? Oh, the part where Joel's knocked out, what did Ellie do? Scavenge. Which is, <laughs> which is interesting. Mm-hmm. What do you think of uh, Ellie and Dina? I'm also kind of, eh, because... Until the very ending, they didn't really well, the, have any. Uh, they're just they're just so perfect well, that's, all the time. I'm like, ah, eh, you're kind of boring together. The writing's not like super great with them, and I've heard a few people in the, I don't know, like what the criticisms are. They just don't like it. But in the LGBTQ community, say like their dialogue is very cringy together. I guess well, they're flirting or whatever. I don't really. There was a hilarious. I don't know what the criticisms are, but there's a hilarious scene though when they're uh, they're wandering through Seattle together, and they went to this bookstore in one part. And like, I don't know Seattle very well, but apparently this is a specific area of Seattle, right? And this is like a specific place. So they're going through the bookstore, uh, and I think it's like an LGBTQ plus community area of Seattle. And then they walk mm-hmm. out of the store together and they're like, what's with all the rainbows everywhere? <laughs> That's funny. I don't remember that part, but yeah, you I probably just didn't think... go into the store. It's like, it, it's like, it's just a place you can wander into. If you're oh, wandering around. I thought I went to every, I thought I went ed- into every store that I could there. But no, if you, if I you just not. wander around the bookstore and like find the, yeah. It's a it's oh, an okay. optional dialogue option. I just thought that I was a funny our, one. Yeah. I think I remember the bookstore. But yeah, it's just with... <sighs> my problem with Dina is that it's just constant criticism of Joel. And she never... I don't think she ever talks positive about Joel. I'm being dead serious. Because it just kind of makes me feel like the writers are constantly trying to make you feel bad about the events of the first game. And to me, that's disrespectful. And then also near the ending where, hey, this woman almost killed the girl you're in love with, almost killed you, which almost effectively killed your child, which I don't know how, if I was a mother, I would feel something different than she did, blinded Tommy and effectively crippled him. They have a chance for revenge, and you tell Ellie, who whose father figure had just been, whose father figure has been murdered by Abby, and the father of your child has been murdered by Abby, saying, if you go after her, I will not be here anymore. In an apocalypse, where the fuck else are you going to go? That, to me, was just kind of just adding drama for the sake of drama. And I don't think that part was written very well. Yeah, but I also get why she left in the end. It's like, well, you're just, same reason Maria left Tommy. You're just obsessed with revenge. You're going to leave your family. You don't have to go anywhere. It's a pretty rough world out there. You got it fine here. So why do you want to risk your life again? You're already traumatized enough the first time. She barely supports Ellie throughout the whole game. Like she's there physically, but she's constantly Ellie and Dina, her at the same Ellie time. Ellie and Dina to me are just a relationship that's like, okay, you're really attracted to each other, but you're not really... Good yeah, for each other. Like I it's just, Ellie and Jesse would have been a good couple. 
Yeah, if she was because they're just they have just better written dialogue. I was gonna say like she had dialogue. Like if she wasn't like if if Ellie wasn't a lesbian, she has better chemistry with Jesse. You're right. You're right about that. I mean, you could even work in my pitch. You could even work that out in if Abby and Ellie hunt out a lot. Where is Ellie falling in love with Abby? Which would have been weird, or not falling in love, but they're starting to be attracted to each other. Yeah. Why didn't you write Dina like Jesse? Then I would have bought that relationship. Exactly. Like e- some of their early scenes are good. I find when they're when they're going um, on patrol together, workouts and... together. Yeah, yeah. Th- that was good scene. But just the rest of it, just kind of because that's my main problem with this game. Because I can't get past this one section while playing it. It's just I have no motivation to beat it. I just don't have motivation. Not because I know how it ends. It's just it's hard to get through. It's just hard, man. Like. And if there is a Last of Us Part 3, which probably will be, because it's one of the most successful gaming franchises out there, where are you going to go from here? Well, they also said the same thing about the end of Part 1. People didn't... When Part 2 was announced, they were like, but what could they do with it? Yeah. I don't know where they're going to go for Part 3 either, but I think it could be interesting. Ellie's, for the first time since the first game, she's on her own now. Dina. Dina's gone. She's not going back to Jackson. T- Joel's I- dead. She let, you know, she's telling ruined. you, if, if someone cut off my two guitar fingers, that person be dead. In the apocalypse? I don't my know, one friend not- had a funny criticism when the trailers came out where, she, where he said, who the fuck tattooed her? <laughs> like, in the apocalypse. It was well, the one thing are. he kept complaining about. I was like, I don't understand where the tattoos come from. Well, if they can, there's someone in Jackson, obviously, but you really still, kept a tattoo gun. They still watch movies and junk. They can do tattoos. That's true. Ellie was talking I do about like how she watched how movies. There's small details. Yeah, I do like how there's small details, like in Ellie's little apartment. She has like her play PS3. I think yeah. that's pretty cool because I love a how. All, oh, oh, yeah, there's I another thing too, the... where she sneaks up on the one chick and she has a PSP. Ellie doesn't yeah. pick it up. She's a gamer. She's a nerd. She'd pick that shit up instantly. One thing I love about The Last of Us Part 2, especially because it's set further down the timeline, is how when you go into all the apartments and everything, all the technology and posters and media is all circa 2015. Yeah. It's brilliant. Which is just a blast from the past for me. I love that. Like you said, you mentioned the PS3. Yeah. The I'm like, yeah, that was the console. That was mm-hmm. that's what we had. If we, if we, again, we don't really do ratings on this podcast, but if I were to give The Last of Us Part 2, like, Part 1 obviously is a 10 out of 10, but Part 2, to me, just because of how much I disagree with this story, is a 6 out of 10. Everything else, phenomenal. Gameplay, gonna... level yeah. level design, graphics, the realism of it all, it's all great. It's an above-average game for me. On a technical level, it's basically as good as it gets in terms of gameplay, yeah. graphics, uh, mechanics, AI. Uh, oh, the design. AI is phenomenal. World design, like we said, with the with the apartments, the locations, just Seattle in general. It's all like on a technical level. The production in this game, uh, uh, the motion capture, uh, acting as well, mm-hmm. performances. It's all masterclass in production value for video games. The story is just. 
it's it's very it's love it or hate it. I agree with you that it's very it's hard to get through. This the story is hard to get through. It's uh, you have to really push yourself to get through, which once again is kind of the point, but it's also a weird point to try for as a creator. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm gonna steal from my movie ratings and just say it's it's worth a play, just to experience once. Yeah, I'd still say it's like worth a play, and then you like because I don't ever want to stop someone from watching something unless it's absolutely tragic and terrible. Yeah. It's just too but dour. But I me. think this game, like this game itself, I think is worth a play, and then you make your own. Um... What am I saying? You 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 have your own thoughts on it. Yeah. Then you just, just play part one again. There. Then you just play part one again. Yeah. Just play part. You never need yeah. to play part two again. Part two is just like, yeah, this is what, like, yeah, part one's great, and oh yeah, there is more. You're, you know. I'm just going to mm. warn you in advance, it's a traumatizing experience, and you're, you're going to feel very strongly one way or the it's other really about this strange. game. You can, you can do that. It's there if you want it, but yeah. you know, maybe just play It's really strange when the, when the Part 1 remake came out, because, uh, the newer one, because they look like the characters from Part 2, even oh. more so, okay. because of, they use modern technology, right? So they've upped the graphics in that. But a part of me just loves the 2013 graphics, like their character design more. It's I don't nostalgic. know why. Yeah. yeah, it's nostalgic. This is how they Especially, look Especially, um, and people did like side-by-side comparisons uh, with the one scene with um, Ellie and Joel in the house when she runs away and she's like, I've lost people too. They did a side-by-side comparison and all the comments are like, old one's better. <laughs> <laughs> Even though, like, the face show, like, the face capture is, like, te- and technically wise is better. I just think it's, I don't know. I just like the older character designs a bit more. But I I love how they went back and remastered it. I don't yeah. like how it's full price, but I like how it's, uh... If uh, Last of Us Part 3 comes out, I will play it. I'm curious what they'll do. I feel like if it's a trilogy... Oh, I'll play it, too. I feel like if it's a trilogy, this one has to be a bit lighter in tone. I feel like it, 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 Last of Us Part Two might look better in retrospect if the trilogy can stick the landing, because then we can say mm-hmm. that it's the Empire Strikes Back of the trilogy. It's Ellie's lowest point. This is when things get like when shit gets serious. This is where it's the most dour and depressing one, the most emotionally complex. And then the third one brightens it up again. Because that's my main thing about part two is it's just... They should wait. The, they should wait 20 years like Godfather. Yeah. Because <laughs> it was part, part one, three. then part two. And then like 20, later, 20 years later, it was part three. Or just do another like six or 10. I don't think part three yeah. and Godfather was that bad, but it's such a drag. It's Look, it's it the worst. Drag. The fact that it's the worst of the trilogy doesn't mean it's a bad movie. It's... No. It's still it's a different. great... It's a great movie, and it's it's just not as great as the first two. The first two are masterpieces, and the third is just pretty good. Yeah, I think that's what people were... And the fact that they yeah. came back to do it 20 years later is crazy. I want to see the... Or, like, 15. I want to see the re-release version, though. They called it... Um, okay, well, the title's a spoiler for it, so just skip ahead, like, 10 seconds. But... They call it the death of Corley- Michael Corleone, the Godfather Coda. Like the re, like the re, they're doing a release of part three. Well, they already released it. Michael uh, Francis Ford Coppola 
re-edited the movie. Right. He like to have Michael changed. die at the very beginning. No, well, he just he re-edited the movie. He like used different takes from the original footage. Oh, he like he okay. went back and changed a lot, and he retitled the movie "The Death of Michael Corleone: The Godfather Coda," because the Godfather oh. part, because in his mind, the Godfather Part Three was a it's promising too much. It's like the Godfather One and Two are the story, and Part mm-hmm. Three was always really more of an epilogue. Like what happened to Michael Corleone later right, in life? Yeah, but to call it the which Godfather, one you like better, Part One or Two? I'm more of a one man myself. It's tough. It's tough because they're both so different, but it's both so great. I'm I'm a one man personally. I think I think one for me because of Marlon Brando, but Part Two I love more because of De Niro. De Niro and also um, Al Pacino gets a little bit more to do, but Part yeah. One is just. Also, the I don't know if you've act, watched the show, but the show The Offer, where it tells how the story of how The Godfather I heard about it almost didn't get made, and I heard of good things. I heard mixed. Things. I've heard good things and bad things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've heard good things and bad things. But yeah, it's. More I've heard about, the acting uh, in though was very good. But yeah, it's more. It's not The Godfather Part Three anymore. It's just yeah, Godfather Part One and Two is the story, and then there's the epilogue. But we've already gone way over time. You don't want to hear about The That's Godfather. You heard for Last of Us. Yeah. So, yeah. It's, I uh, think, uh, it's just, what are you looking for in the show? Are you look, looking, I, don't, I don't want like a one-for-one one recreation, but I do, it does look like they're going to do some of the iconic scenes, but I don't like, I don't want a one-for-one. One. You know what I mean? I'm just looking I for a like faithful a, adaptation. I don't need to see, yeah. I don't need to see one-for-one one scenes or recreated don't dialogue. Assassin's or, Creed <laughs> don't Assassin's Creed it. Don't Assassin's Creed it. I don't need that. I just need... A good Last of Us story follows closely enough. Just make a good adaptation. Don't make a completely yeah. different thing and call it The Last of Us. But don't make it verbatim saw, either. Yeah. Otherwise, why are we doing it in the first place? Just play the game. I saw a review of Assassin's Creed the movie where it was, this is the best video game adaptation that there's been, but this movie's still garbage. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's how bad adaptations have been. I still need to see it. The, I heard there was a great stunt where the they did the jump off the... The yeah. assassin stuff is great. But the modern day stuff, you're like... Yeah, so it's like the game. It's too. almost half and half. And it's like, why the why are we doing this? Anyway. Well, let's wrap her up. But yeah, I'm looking for just... I'm excited to see what they do with the clickers. Because that, cause the, the marketing, they've only shown the one shot and it looks phenomenal. Okay, so I'm so excited we'll, to see. Uh, I'm wondering if it's more practical or... We'll probably do a full season review. We're not going to do like episode by episode. Yeah, come back to close up in like two months. We'll get an episode for you. Yeah, <laughs> we'll, we'll find a way. Watch us in the meantime, please. But mm-hmm. We have no ideas left, but we'll all watch us in the meantime. January is kind of a dead month for movies, but. Which kind of sucks, yeah. But um, we'll be playing. We'll be doing stuff. Yeah. February is going to kick off with a lot of stuff. Oh, we have to. Oh, we can't do Last of Us, Joe. We have to go watch Ant-Man. <sighs> this might be the year Marvel uh, kills you. It might be the year. Marvel it might be the year. You. It might be the year. I think. Uh, oh, after movie. Guardians, I might be done. I don't know. Like Guardians. Oh and yeah, Dare- Guardians comes out this year. Guardians and Daredevil are basically the only things keeping me around now. I'm really excited for Spider Man though. Spect- uh, uh, across the universe. Oh yeah, Spider Man. Well, that's okay. in June though. That's a Sony movie though. That's not MCU. So 
That's true. I'm so I'm so pumped for that though. I yeah, hope I'm there's like twenty different. I hope there's twenty different uh, Spider Men and women. Tw- like thousands different Spider Mans. I I people have already done like deep dives into it, but I don't really want to see. Like I don't want to see um. I don't want to see those because I feel like those are kind of spoilery. Yeah. Okay, let's wrap her up. We gone very long. Alright, well, you can find me at Ryan Walker Official on Instagram and on TikTok, and on the YouTube channel, Ryan Walker. You can find me on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook at ThoughtPlay Media. Also, check out the Close Up with Ryan and Joe Facebook page for latest updates on the show. If you listen to us on audio, check out our YouTube channel. And if you're on YouTube, find us anywhere you get your favorite podcasts. Also, be sure to leave us comments and reviews, as that's a big help. And how about clicking that like button or sharing if you enjoyed this? We hope to see you on the next Close Up with Ryan and Joe. Till next time. Take care.